Well, hello. <laughs> my name is uh, Mark Thomas, and this is my wife, Kathy. <clears throat> We've been married for 32 years. <clears throat> we have um, two children and four grandchildren. I grew up in Dallas <clears throat> in a home where we knew we were loved, but to say it was difficult would be an understatement. I did accept Christ at age 11. If you're here and you're looking for someone or something to blame for the way things have turned out, you're not going to get that from me. Although I was affected by my childhood, poor choices are what led to the life I chose to live. Prideful, lustful, self-centered, and selfish would be adjectives to describe me. It was pretty much all about me. Whatever it took to make me happy, regardless of whom it might hurt. It's my wants, my needs, my desires. I was the oldest of four. I accepted the Lord's sacrifice and loved the Lord at age five. My father was gone all week working and home on weekends. My mother drank every night, and I remember putting her to bed as a teenager. I learned sacrificial love, but I began to see myself as responsible for everyone else's um, emotional and physical well-being. I struggled with pride and seeking the approval of others. Adjectives that would, could have described the condition of my heart were fearful, self-reliant, resentful, and even bitter. In high school and college, I had one boyfriend after another searching for Mr. Wonderful. In college, I was distracted from my vision. I lost the way. My life was ruled by my own and others' fleshly desires. I blamed my mother's drinking for many of my disappointments. I crashed and burned with a stomach ulcer, a lost dream of being a missionary doctor, a broken engagement, and a feeling of limited freedom due to my family's burdens. I left home with very little money, and my life was going nowhere. So, Kathy and I met at a bar in the area. Aside from the thoughts of how beautiful she was, most of what I was thinking was not good. At the time we met, and for several, year, several years prior, my life consisted of daily pot smoking and unhealthy relationships. But I was nice, sweet, charming, attentive, and caring, all to woo and to gain Kathy's affections. They were all directed by impure motives. Lust was taking over. Although Kathy knew about some of my less desirable side, I was hiding the extent of it. I lied and manipulated, or I lied and misrepresented myself, which caused her not to know who I really was. Little did I know how God would use Kathy and our marriage to bring me back to Him. I was looking to Kathy to fulfill my life. At first, she was meeting all of my expectations, but they would only grow to the point of being unrealistic and insatiable, which would eventually result in a lot of conflict. I was selfish and oblivious to how I was affecting anyone else. I met Mark on May 19th, this week, uh, 1984, so 33 years ago. Uh, my roommate invited him home with us. I would not have given him a second look. <laughs> Quickly, I was attracted to Mark's impulsive nature and how attentive he was to me. I soon thought that Mark Thomas was the most Christ-like man I had ever met. He served strangers all day long and did it with a smile. We soon were not spending a day apart. 
it seemed like we had so much in common, like all of our hopes and dreams and desires. I thought I had found Mr. Wonderful. It was all too good to be true. We had a hurried courtship, and our focus was on each other. I wanted to make Mark happy, so that included satisfying his sexual desires. We became pregnant, and I had a miscarriage. I believed God was punishing me for being immoral, and I learned that God gives life, and he takes it too. We became pregnant again, and then we were married eight months from the day we met on January 19th. 1985. I learned it was more difficult to do things backwards as I felt ridiculed and embarrassed about being pregnant before marriage. Our son was born six months later, and he was a confirmation to me that God blesses those who turn back to him. He was a wonderful little boy adored by both of us, and I really began to have a strong relationship with the Lord again. Mark's relationship with the Lord seemed to be waning. Pretty early on, we got pregnant, and I remember telling Kathy's parents that she was pregnant, and it was by far the hardest thing I've ever done. But her parents handled it with mercy and grace. I made promises to Kathy and her her father that I didn't keep to marry in the church that she'd grown up in and to raise our family in that church. So at 21, our son was born. It was an exciting time for me. I was excited about providing for him what I didn't have growing up. I quit using drugs and became completely focused on work. I was trying to prove that I could make this right. I had no, I had no men in my life that were good influences, and I didn't seek godly men or good role models. I had, overemphasized, I had an overemphasis on sex both before and in our marriage. I, I manipulated and got angry to get what I wanted. I had a lot of sexual lust directed towards Kathy, and when I didn't feel that my sexual desire needs were being met, I went elsewhere, all along justifying it in my mind. In February of 1988, Mark started a company and worked out of our home. Eventually, this decision would prove to reveal bitterness and resentment in my heart. I felt he made this decision to start the business impulsively and without me knowing, and I mourned not being able to just be mom. After a few years of attending two churches and me growing by leaps and bounds and being very involved in mine and the Crisis Pregnancy Center, God decided to turn my desire for Mark to be the spiritual leader in our home inside out for me. Mark asked me one Sunday morning to go to a different church with him, and I did. I was pregnant with our daughter when I envisioned the Lord looking down on Mark and I quarreling about everything. But mostly the the underlying argument was really about where and how we were going to relate to him. And I realized that if my son and my unborn child quarreled about how they were going to relate to me, that it would break my heart. We were breaking the heart of God, and I couldn't do it anymore. I could go anywhere, and my relationship with Jesus would remain. My pregnancy was very difficult, but I experienced God's healing love in the miracle of our daughter's healthy birth. She was full of life and a joy and delight to everyone. We attended that church for 25 years, and I saw the Lord meet the desires of my heart. And Mark is truly the spiritual leader of our home today. The Lord has blessed our lives. So we started attending a church together where I began to allow men into my life to disciple me. This is when I began to truly make God the Lord of my life. and I grew a lot. Proverbs 18:24 says, "A man 
of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. One night, in the middle of one of my manipulative episodes, the Holy Spirit spoke through Kathy. And she said that it was as if I had a spirit of lust. She spoke the truth in love, and I was at the end of myself at that point, and it hit me hard. So later that night, I cried out to God, and he delivered me from it. That night, God showed me that a life of not guarding my eyes or my heart had allowed lust to take up residence in me, and apart from him, I would only revert back to where it had all started. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The man who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature he will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit he will reap eternal life. Another verse in Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thine heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In the spring of 2001, a tumor was found in our daughter's foot. We had prayed for healing many times, and I remember asking Mark, Do you have any unconfessed sin? Because I've confessed everything I can think of and cried out to the Lord, so maybe it's you. In June of that year, Mark took me to dinner and told me that he wanted me to know him and that he wanted to share something with me that could upset me. He shared that he had used drugs while we were married. This was news to me, and I was very sad and distressed. It was in his past, and he regretted it. In July, Mark took me to dinner to confess that the engagement ring he had originally given me 16 years previously was not actually purchased on the up and up. I went for a long walk alone with the Lord to think things through. On my walk, I felt like Mark was still keeping something from me, and then I heard an audible voice say, Infidelity. I remember asking the Lord if that was his voice that I heard, and a still small voice inside repeated it. I began to softly weep. How would I forgive this if it were true? I felt alone, no one but the Lord to speak to. I decided that if Mark ever confessed this, I would choose life, to stay, to forgive. A few weeks later, Mark confessed to having been unfaithful since we were first married, and on many occasions. I told him that the Lord had already revealed to me his unfaithfulness, and that I was choosing to forgive him and to work things out. Romans 5.8 had been my verse during that time, God had demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinning, yet sinners, Christ died for us. I knew that if I were ever going to become like Jesus, Christ-like, I would have to forgive like he does. Mark was ecstatic. He wanted to tell everybody about how God had prepared me for his confession and how I had forgiven him. I was devastated. I had just learned that what I had only reasoned through was actually true. I asked that we not share it with everybody just yet. And I struggled with why God had allowed this to happen. After all, I was living sacrificially for him. If he loved me, why didn't he prevent Mark from being unfaithful? A couple of mornings later in my quiet time, the Lord revealed to me that I had a pride issue. I was full of self-righteousness and pride, knowing that I had not fallen into temptation. And Mark's brother was coming that morning to visit with his new bride, so I was putting stuff in the attic. When the attic stairs collapsed, sending me several feet through the air and landing me on my neck. During the fall, I remembered my unconfessed pride 
and began crying out to God to forgive me for my big pride. September 11th was a hard day for me. I remember watching the towers fall and thinking, that is how my marriage feels. Completely decimated. Trust needed to be restored. Our children were my delight and became a big focus for me. Kathy and I were very intentional about being perfect parents, which led to being overprotective. From the outside, most people would have thought that we were perfect parents. Little did they know that Kathy and I began to idolize our kids. Our daughter became sick, and our, rela- our relationship was a shell at that point, except for the kids. We fought a lot and rarely resolved our differences. Contentious would be the word that I would use to describe our marriage. James 1.4 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they not come from your desires that battle within you? I had lied and kept so much from Kathy and wondered if my sin was causing our marriage to be in such a bad place. I had confessed and repented to the Lord, but not to Kathy. I had years of sin against her. I didn't want to confess just to clear my conscience. So for years it ate at me. Years before, one of our pastors had said that he wanted his wife to know him and to love him. And that struck a chord with me. I wanted Kathy to really know me and to really love me. I didn't want my sin affecting our marriage, Kathy or our children. I knew that it was a risk and wondered what would happen if she didn't like me anymore once she really knew me. Was it even something that I should tell her because it may devastate our family? I prayed through it and sought out godly counsel. And I thank God that he didn't allow my conscience to be seared. Psalms 32, 1 through 4 said, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My, th- my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in a multitude of counselors there is safety. The next spring, Mark and I saw us, our associate pastor for help in repairing and restoring our marriage. Mark and I shared with our best friends about the infidelity. This began one of the most difficult seasons in my life and in our marriage. My mother died. Our daughter continued to have serious health issues, and our son went to college. We were always there for our children, putting each other last, thinking we were being good parents. When our daughter went to college, Mark and I struggled to figure out how to do marriage without children. We finally started to see a counselor who helped us face some truths about ourselves. We realized that in our effort to be good parents, we had somehow slipped into worshiping our children. We really struggled as the Lord and our daughter pried our fingers off her day-to-day life. Kathy and I began to face the fact that we had swept many of our conflicts under the rug in the busyness of life and the pursuit of our children. Kathy and I had to learn to trust. Kathy had to learn that I was. Kathy had to learn to trust that I was for her, and I wanted to grow in hearing her concerns seriously. And I had to grow uh, in trusting that Kathy was for me, and that she wanted to grow in celebrating with me what brought me joy. For the next three years, we worked at our marriage, and we worked at rebuilding our relationship with our daughter long distance. We found ourselves still struggling with communication and conflict difficulties. After being led by the Lord to change churches in the summer of 
13, we begin attending re-engage. Mark and I have learned to listen to each other with the intent to really understand and to give each other the benefit of the doubt that our relationship with Jesus is our number one priority and that we are each other's number two priority, that the ways that we dealt with conflict were not helpful and that we help each other become more like Jesus by being each other's full-length mirrors. I'm not worshiping others anymore. I worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords only. The Lord is my Mr. Wonderful. My uh, life verses are John 15, 5 and 8. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So if you're here tonight and you're feeling like your life is falling apart, I would just say that it might be that it's just falling into place. We're still learning and have not arrived yet, but by God's grace, we're here tonight working out our salvation. I definitely have not gotten what I deserved, but have received far more than we could have ever imagined. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And I think we have another picture. That's our newest picture there. Mm -hmm. We took that... Saturday, was it Saturday after the birthday party? Yeah, Yeah, after the twins turned three. (laughs) So we've just crammed 104 years of life into 20 minutes. So hopefully you guys can connect some of the dots. We had to leave a lot out. But we're here if anybody has questions or um, would like to talk to us. We want to thank you for letting us share your story. But I was telling Susan earlier, the exciting thing for me is that there's testimonies being written all across this room tonight. So we just want to encourage you guys to stick with it. Thanks.